Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Jerk Show. After a couple of weeks off because of conferences and traveling and all that other good stuff, we are back for your favorite show that covers all the latest and greatest security news and uh, presents it slightly less than polished than others. But, hey, it is what it is for a free show. Welcome to The Jerick Show, featuring your hosts, Javad Malik and Eric Crone. Timely topics, poorly presented. Timely topics is my half of the show, and the poorly presented is Eric Crone. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, man. How about yourself? Uh, well, you know what it's like. Another yeah. day above ground is always good. Yeah, you know, it's been a while. We've been... We've been kind of crazy. Uh, April was a crazy month. Even the beginning of May was a little bit nuts. But yeah, uh, yeah, here we are. Um, you know, it all started with that week around. Well, I, I think it actually started before that. But the week around RSA, which was also the week of our big no before conference. It so was. we ended up like all over the place. We did. We did. And uh, it, you missed no before's conference. And that I'm sure was. A big loss to you. I but, did. It, you know, ended up uh, doing RSA, which uh, was what RSA usually is, I suppose. Um, foot traffic's back, uh, but nobody really, honestly, seemed all that engaged. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I think you had a lot of engagement in No Before Con, though. Yeah, yeah. We. So, <laughs> <laughs> what happened? I right? had the honor of being the <laughs> MC for the event. And I get on stage, first thing, so there's about 1,500 people in the room, 1,600 people in the room, and I'm there welcoming everyone to, to, the, to the whole thing. And so the first thing I say is like, you know, you could have been anywhere. You could have chosen to be at RSA, but you chose to be here, and I think that deserves, a, you know, an applause, and everyone, so, okay, they're getting into it. So I said, like, okay, every time I mention RSA, could you give me a really big boo? And everyone's like, I said, RSA, and everyone's like, boo. I said, that's great. And then I said, like, really great to be here. I introduced myself. I introduced the rest of the team members. And I said, well, the only person missing is Eric Crone because he's at RSA. And it was so glorious to hear 1,600 people just hear your name and go, boo. <laughs> and for the rest of the, the, the time, every time anyone mentioned Eric Crone, we got a boo. So you were there in spirit, Eric. <laughs> Something like that. Hey. I was also there in voice, if not in person, too, because we had the Sharky Awards that we did, and I did the uh, the voiceover slash uh, whatever, the, the voice from the sky announcing yes. the winner. So at least I was kind of there in spirit. You were. You were. And on the second day or the, or the last day, just before, when, when they rolled, rolled the last one, I did mention to everyone, if in case no one recognized the voice, I said, that is the voice of Eric Crone, who is at RSA. Boo. Yes. <laughs> no, well done, my friend. I heard you did a great job uh, with the emceeing there. I think it's a little unfair. I did it the very first year. I was the MC. People loved me. Somehow or another, you weaseled your way in. And now I think it's something contractual, right? You're like, I'll, I'll do it this year if I also get to do it next year. And they're like, we have nobody. I think this happened a couple of years ago. And now they're just stuck into this perpetuating contract. That's my guess. Well, you know, the fact that you went from emceeing it to not being invited to the event speaks <laughs> volumes. 
<laughs> that says a lot, right? No, no. The, the fact they trusted me on my own, all alone in our, uh, in our land of RSA representing the organization tells me all I need to know, pal. Yes, yes. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> well, anyways, it's good to be back. It really is. It was kind of cool. You know, you were here in the U.S. I was here in the U.S. We actually got to meet for one whole day um, with a bunch of team stuff. <laughs> well, one and we a both here. bit day because you were there in the evening before. And anyway. Yeah, anyway. First story. I thought this was a really good story. It's by Dragos. They're a security ah, uh, yeah. consultancy. And they had a near miss with a um, failed extortion scheme. They did. They did. Yeah. The the bad actors got into a couple of things there, but nothing major. It was like basically some white paper type stuff is what I understand. They were able to download stuff that's usually behind a customer wall um, that they were able to get into. But these bad actors tried a whole bunch of other stuff, um, but weren't successful. They weren't. They weren't. Ultimately, I mean, what, what they did is that they they interjected themselves with a new employee onboarding, from what I understand. So as a new employee was onboarded, they they got in there and then they pretend to be HR or what have you, and then they got onto some systems that way. So it was a, a good, well-timed social engineering attack after they got onto the emails. But uh, what was, uh, but when they failed to deploy ransomware, they they turned pretty nasty and they started sending messages to Dragos executives. Can you zoom in on that a little bit so maybe we can read it? Oh, right. Okay. Hey, hey. You're out of practice, <laughs> pal. Are we reaching out with a 48 hours or not? Seems very dumb not to. You deal with incident response every day, yet we both know oh. even with a strict stance, we want to see what was taken. We have everything. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's, it's all that. Wow. And then they started referencing family members because they'd done a bit of OSINT on the people. So, you know, it's, um, you know, they, they started to up the threats. Wow. Uh, it, they were it, just being ignored. Yeah. They, they sent pictures of like, you know, they, they probably found them on Facebook or what have you. And like, hey, how's probably spouse yeah. or sister or daughter as I hope she's doing well. You know, just like really horrible. And, and you know, kudos to... Gregor's for like holding the line and not giving in to these demands and everything. Cause this sort of stuff, even if you know, these people are probably on the other side of the planet and they can't do anything to you physically or anything. It does get very worrying when people are sending you pictures of your family members or, or contacting you on your personal email addresses, which they were doing or your, but it's a really good book blog post. I think we, we, we can't do it justice just by talking about it. Yeah, I recommend yeah. everyone Click the link, dragos.com slash blog slash deconstructing a cybersecurity. And, and kudos event. on them for being so transparent about what yes. happened and yes. all that. We always say that. Like, it's awesome that they were transparent and in this case showed that. I, I'll say this. A lot of times the ransomware gangs, you know, their, their, their claim is, oh, it's just business. It's not personal. But the crap that they had posted up there of family and stuff like that absolutely crosses the line. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a time when that kind of actions, those kind of acting is going to elicit a more kinetic response, perhaps from somebody else if they do it to the wrong, the wrong groups or, you know, agencies or something like that. It's just, it's not business. 
yeah. when it comes down to that, uh, when you're threatening family members. And that's how you end up getting se- severe law enforcement focus on your yeah. group. And yeah, you know, most of the time they want to try to avoid that. And they, they have some good recommendations that they've come taken from this specific incident. So hardening the uh, IAM infrastructure yeah. processes, separation of duties, least privilege, MFA, block known bad IP, scrutinize emails for phishing, red flags, uh, continuous monitoring, and incident response playbooks. Yep. So Big it's round all of applause for Dragos. Good job. Yeah. Great job and uh, fantastically done. So Spain is accusing Morocco as possibly <laughs> responsible for Pegasus spying. Uh, the European Parliamentary Committee of Inquiry into the Pegasus issued a report with conclusions that points to Morocco as a possible responsible for spying on the mobile phones of Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez, the Minister of Defence, Margarita Robles, and the Minister of Interior, Fernando Grande Marlaska. That's a cool name. Wow. Um, so, <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the whole thing goes so messy. And, and the reason I, I bring this up is not because of the, whether it's Morocco or not, but there's other allegations of like Spain using it. And then they're yeah. saying, no, this was done with full uh, uh, law enforcement oversight and that kind of stuff. So this is a problem with these kind of tools like Pegasus there never is enough kind of legal oversight and you can't right. ever control whose hands these get into. Yeah. And I think it's a bit, it's a bit poor to be calling foul play when you get caught or something. If you haven't explicitly tried to set out that, you know, these kinds of things are going to be banned. Yeah. And uh, th- this is, this is like, this should serve as a warning to all of these people who keep on saying we need to, uh, weaken encryption to insert backdoors for law enforcement and think of the kids and all that kind of stuff because this is exactly the kind of stuff it's going to be used for legit governments um, attacking other legit governments even like friendly governments spying on others and all that kind of crap which i think nobody wants but that's what pegasus was designed for it's a designed by an israeli organization and it was only sold to nation states and high-end stuff like that this is not a consumer product if you will even on the dark web type stuff which is interesting because i've actually received scams in my email that said hey you're a victim of pegasus okay and they Mm -hmm. go into um you're a collateral victim we have it on your phone we've done all this kind of stuff which is brilliant because if you search pegasus phone malware you find that it is really a thing but clearly these dumbasses pardon my french um these fools don't have access to this but it is a real tool that's been controversial for exactly reasons like this. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So oh, quick, quick side thing. I just remembered Amnesty International actually has a program for um, reporters and journalists to be able to send their phone in and they will try to identify and remove if you have Pegasus on your phone because a lot of reporters and journalists have been targeted by this. Just a little side note. That's smart. Did you check the URL? Was it Amnesty yeah, International? No. <laughs> <laughs> like... no, I actually, I did a talk to uh, uh, for a bunch of journalists and stuff, uh, Cyber Talk. And uh, this was one of the things that came out of one of the uh, the other talks. It was very interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that that that's really cool. Actually, this next, I'm going to hop hop forward a couple of stories because this one is more relevant to the Drago story. Let me just bring that over here, so it's number two. But the NCSE National Cybersecurity Centre and the Information Commissioner's Office here in the UK uh, had a they 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 sort of like set out trying to dispel some of the myths uh, mm. relating to incident reporting, and um, the six commonly held misconceptions they they were addressing was covering of attack means everything will be okay no it doesn't (laughs) reporting to the authorities makes it more likely the incident will go public not necessarily paying a ransom makes the incident go away Mm -mm. if an organization has good offline backups they won't need to pay a ransom (laughs) there's no if there is no evidence of data theft organizations don't need to report to the ico yeah no and organizations will be fined if data is leaked. And uh, yeah, so these are like some of the most common misconceptions. I think this is really good good advice because I think a lot of people still are under this misconceptions that, you know, maybe if you try to sweep things under the rug. So yeah. Dragos is a really good example. They went public. They haven't been fined. There's, you know, there, there's no issues there. And, you know, they, they, they went about the right way. So, I mean, they, they gave a good analogy here. Like, you know, you come home from work and find your house being burgled. Um, if you don't report it, then the criminals might attack your neighbors the next day, but you won't know about that because they're keeping it under wraps. Yeah. And then the criminals might come back to yours as well because you didn't identify how they got in in the first place and police didn't help you. And why. So, so I thought that was a, it, it's, it's, it's a good sort of reminder. That it's kind of interesting. Um, in my mind, for some reason, this is kind of tying to another story we have on here. Um, the one about CISOs and uh, being held liable. If that, uh, I'm trying to remember the the title of that one. Uh, maybe I didn't throw that you in. There. Never mind. It's, there, I do it, know the story you mean. I have seen that one. Yeah, that yeah. CISOs are now more worried about being personally held liable. Yeah, and they want to take out insurance against that. It's yeah, and they're saying they they don't want to Uber case. Yeah, they, they don't want to go to work for a place um, with no insurance. They're requiring that as part of it to be insured against that, which kind of makes sense. But, you know, it, it's it comes back to that whole if leadership says don't say anything, don't report it. What do you do? And and all that. So covering up the attack means everything will be OK, I think, is it's kind of what tied it in my mind to that story. Um, yeah. You know, what do you do if leadership says don't report it yet? You need to report it. You know, um, that's it's a tough spot that some of these CISOs are put in. And now that they're being held personally liable, that's uh, that's a whole nother whole nother ball game. Anyways. OK, anyway, it is we're, state we're ethical, my friends. That's the, that's that's the that's the tip. Yeah. Yeah. OK. I'm going to try not to laugh as I read the next story. Oh, boy. OK. But you might see the irony on this. So. India's IT minister will ask WhatsApp to explain what is up after they have experienced a dramatic increase in spam calls. So <laughs> India has the largest number of WhatsApp. <laughs> Why are you laughing? India has the largest number of WhatsApp users, like 450 million users. And in the last couple of weeks, they've received spam calls from overseas. Many calls involve fake job offers. Uh, usually with a request to negotiate the gig on a different messaging platform. So 
maybe um, they might start receiving calls about warranties or right. Microsoft <laughs> licenses. No, I, I see. I see what you're getting at here. It, there are so many call centers based out of India in that area that end up basically doing exactly that to us all the time. Mm -hmm. um, there is some irony that they're complaining about receiving spam calls. I wonder I'm, if they get them right at dinner. Yeah. You you see these YouTube channels where they reverse hack them. Yeah. And they I they they get into their CCTV cameras so they see the whole operation, they know who they are, they report it to the local police and nothing really happens because they pay off the local police or whatever. Yeah. And so yeah, I mean whoever gets targeted it's always really really unfortunate, but you can't just as a government go complaining when things don't go your way no that's that's very true that's very true so it's just it is ironic that the source of so many of those that we receive is complaining about receiving them that's the irony here i love it way to put that together pal yeah 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 so that was that was that and um yeah so there, there's something around like um their actual carriers implemented a new anti-spam right measure. So they're switching so to why, a new platform. Yeah, so yeah. that's why they're switching to. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, so 30% of all internet traffic is now bad bots. What do you make of that? I just thought this was kind of interesting because the sheer volume of this, um, it's it's mm -hmm. just spam. It's all kinds of garbage floating around on the internet. 30% of all the traffic. And they're saying bots accounting for 51% of the malicious traffic. Wow. Like it's doubled in the last couple of years. I mean, this is, and as AI continues to improve, it's going to be used to do this. Now, like at what point in time do we go a third of the traffic on the internet that we're paying to route and we're paying to, to move? So, you know, people are paying for this bandwidth and stuff like that. When is enough going to be enough that we're actually able to, to figure out a way to put the brakes on that? Is it when 60% of the internet traffic is useless garbage that's just out to scam people? And then what do we do about it? This is just kind of a thought-provoking one for me because these numbers are so massive and they're growing so quickly. You know, the last number I saw was each and every day there's 6.4 billion fake emails sent out. That's huge. That's absolutely huge. And so then you have all of the other traffic that's going as well. You know, it's just, it's getting to the point that it's, it's crazy. And so, you know, these carriers have to pay for this bandwidth. They've got to keep ramping up bandwidth to carry all of this information. That's utter garbage. Yeah. 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 So you're right. And this is exactly the thing. It's like, you know, where do you draw the line? Right. Like, like you said, is it 30%, 60%, 70%, 90%? You know, as long as I can get Netflix working okay, I don't care. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's 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 kind of crazy. I mean, you, you wonder what, you know, CDNs are doing about this. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize, like, there's Netflix boxes and a lot of ISPs that are local there. So it doesn't have to transverse the whole internet yeah, to reduce yeah. some of that. Right. And, but yeah, this is, um, it's just getting out of hand. And I think as we see more and more 
AI, and I'm not trying to jump on the AI bandwagon, but it is becoming more and more of an issue here when these things are running in the background, just throwing stuff out there like that. It is indeed. It is indeed. Um, oh my God. Ransomware payments yeah. nearly double in one year. This is from Sophos, I believe. Yep. Uh, so a couple of years ago, the number I saw was like 570,000 was the average ransom paid. Um, now it's up to 1.5 million. <laughs> Pay respect to your AI overlords. Right, James. I, I didn't do my my typical um, disclaimer, which is I, uh, you know, I welcome our new AI overlords. So now that's there. It's in digital. Right. Don't make me a battery. Uh, or if you do, give me a good life. Uh, so, yeah, ransomware payments, though, doubled to 1.5 million. I'm sorry. That's huge. And they're talking about payments. They're not talking about demands. This is post-negotiation. This, oh, God. he's how, how do you block someone on this platform from I don't to... know, man. Who's Has he hacked us? Is that what's going on? I here? have no idea. <laughs> this how is easy. another one of those cases where it says there's zero live viewers and clearly... <laughs> Yes. That's a lie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I just, oh, man. Anyways. Okay. So this, though, this to me was just kind of like mind-boggling that we're talking about this much on average. Can, can we not? If you're a battery, I can, that's a good one since you have no charge. <laughs> that's a good <sighs> one, James. I actually like that one. That's a solid yeah. burn. To our viewers, uh, you fortunate podcast listeners don't have to see the dad jokes and, and the goofy jokes that are popping up on our screen by our, our friend and friend of the show, uh, James McQuiggan. Um, but dear Lord, they're bad. Okay. All right. Um, so now I'm totally screwed up. And I think I said what I was going to say about this story. That's good. Shall um, we move millions, on? Millions of mobile phones come pre-infected with malware. Yeah. yeah. And it, we, we've spoken about this before. This is like yes. a lot of these are the um, um, those cheaper Android phones. And like, oh, you got someone. <laughs> David has spoken to the overlords. Brilliant, They're giving you David. a pass since you <laughs> welcome them. I love that. I, that's my goal here. Okay. Again, don't turn me into a battery or turn me into a battery with a good life. I don't know. Either way, let's throw a little matrix in there, but you know, that's my hope. <laughs> uh, if I'm getting out th that out there every, every chance I get. So, um, but oh yeah, in this one here we have, we've talked about this in the past. It seems like it's a story that comes up every couple of years. You find out that either some device driver or some crap like that was malware laden and it's being put out on these phones or, you know, something like that, but they're coming with pre-installed malware. And some of this is uh, click generation and, and ad clicking and things like that, that cost people money in places where they still have to pay for data. And mm. that's where it becomes ugly. In some of our countries, we've gotten used to unlimited data. So we're like, what's the big deal about, you know, if, if somebody's using my phone to pseudo click on ads, but when it comes down to people who have to pay for that, that becomes a big issue. Yeah. And yeah. you know, it's, it's just another example of how some of the supply chain stuff happens and how in many countries they're so dependent on mobile, this impacts them way more than us. It does. It does. Absolutely. And this also contributes to that, 
you know, 30% of bad bot traffic on the internet that, yeah. that we were talking about. So there's multiple facets to, to that and where people get in from and how they, they do it. So scary, Indeed. scary stuff. Indeed. Okay, last story of the day. We we came ram-packed with stories today. It is like... Yeah, is, but making up a, for time. It's like... So this comes courtesy of Dan Cuthbert. He tweeted this. Oh, uh, yeah. And this is about HP Hewlett-Packard has sparked fury after issuing a recent firmware, up, firmware update which uh, blocks customers from using non-HP ink cartridges in its printers. So before you could use it, but it would... Um, say that I'll um it used to display a warning saying a third party ink cartridge was used but now it will simply refuse to print and some of you might be saying that's not new a lot of vendors do this but yeah it's the excuse they used here the company said that it reduces the risk of malware attacks saying third party cartridges that use non hp chips or circuitry can pose risk to the hardware performance print quality and security because we all know of all of these organizations that have been breached because they used the wrong ink cartridge in their printer and they got ransomware. No, no. I, I, I'm, I struggle to think how this could be done and I, I'm maybe it can be, but it's not like these ink cartridges are powerhouses of performing, you know, even, even for code storage. I mean, how many kilobytes are available in one of these little chips that they're throwing up stuff to to mark them as real? This is crazy. And we it's no secret that places like Hewlett Packard and stuff, when they sell you a printer, they're selling it to you sometimes maybe even at a loss with the idea that they're going to nail you on the consumables, right? It comes with the starter ink that gets like, oh my God. James, my printer started playing jazz music the other day when it stopped working. It was jamming. Okay. God, why do we, you're, you're not helping. Okay. Um, <laughs> but anyways, so they give you this ink cartridge that prints like 10 pages and then you got to go out and buy another one. Um, you know, and yeah. like I was part of the HP ink. I have a little HP printer here and it was one of those subscription models where you pay like a couple bucks a month and you're good for so many pages. Um, I ended up canceling that because it didn't work very well. And then mm -hmm. when I did have to get one because my mine dried up from non-usage, it took me like three phone calls. Shut what, up. What, what, what? <laughs> the ink cartridge <laughs> stopped working due to non-usage. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> would you cut it out? <laughs> Go back to Costa Rica, man. Um, but yeah, it, I ended up because it took me like hours on the phone to get them to send it. So anyways, side story, that just kind of sucks. Um, Eric had the first HP printer it carved on stone. Which, he's coming in from a different platform now. Come on, man. <laughs> he was on LinkedIn first, and now he's moved over to YouTube. Oh, Did you block him on, on LinkedIn? Is or is he... funny. You know what? I'm just going to I'm gonna close out the show with James. James, send us another joke, and then we'll close it out. Okay, uh, don't we don't need you, Eric. So with that, <laughs> thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. I hope you enjoyed our roundup. We we did take a few weeks off, so it was a a longer than usual episode. But you know, I, you know, thirty minutes, not too bad, not too bad. Ease you into the weekend. So with that, uh, 
yeah, James hasn't come in quick enough, so we'll we'll end it there. Stay secure, my friends.